Welcome to this week's bonus episode, which is going to be an interview with Caroline White, who is the chief executive of the Youth Hostel Association. Uh, I hope you find that a fascinating discussion about segmentation and how it's used in practice. At the end, I will add a little bit which just tries to relate back what Caroline is talking about uh, to what we covered in our podcast episode on segmentation and how you might therefore use that to run a workshop or do your own analysis of segmenting your own business. But for the moment, let's get into the interview, which is a little bit longer than our normal podcast, but I think worth every minute. So enjoy. So Caroline, thanks so much for giving us an interview. Um, before we start in, uh, it'd be great if you could give just a bit of an introduction to your overall business career, as uh, I know it will impress and interest our listeners. Well, thank you very much, Joe. I'm, I do feel incredibly lucky that I've had a, an eclectic career uh, and I've worked in lots of different industries, but what's been at the heart of it really is around leadership and transformation. I started my career in industrial market research and I realized quite quickly that I don't care whether baked beans come in a tin can or a Petra pack and I wanted to work in a more value-based organization. So I moved into housing, both local authorities and then housing associations, um, became a CEO in my early 30s and ended up running one of the largest housing associations. But I left housing at the millennium. <clears throat> I set up my own business, focusing on strategy and development, mainly in the private sector, and then moved into interim management, particularly not-for-profit organizations who needed some form of transformation. I was headhunted to run the YHA in 2008 and I went for six months and I then stayed for nine years. So there you go. Mm -hmm. Now I'm back in my own business and I undertake interim management for charities now. Well, it's, it's an impressive career. Um, today, what I really want to do is just drill down on one very focused particular topic, which we have discussed. And um, it's a practical illustration of how segmentation can provide an overview of the choices available to an organization and in this case to you and, and the YHA when you were there. Um, now, as a brief reminder for our listeners, uh, we had an episode on this that uh, I hope you'll be able to reference and that's the context for this uh, interview and we described what we call the who, what, how framework which suggests that the choices you face as a strategist are to do with these three dimensions who, what, and how. So for example, take the what dimension, that's to do with products and services that you offer. And when Caroline was CEO at the YHA, she and her team made choices about what type of service to offer. Um, for example, should it be a very basic offering or something a bit more upmarket? And, and we'll get to that later on in this, in this interview. So I'm not suggesting here that Caroline actually used the who, what, how. She's a, she's a really experienced strategist and a leader who can act more intuitively based on her capabilities and experience. But for those starting out as strategists, the framework can provide some structure to try and be as smart as Caroline. Um, that would be pretty good. Uh, and it might provide a way to structure a strategic discussion in a, in a senior team. And at the end of this interview, I'm going to ask Caroline you know, what, what tools she uses and, and, and what use her teams make of strategy tools. So if it's OK, Caroline, can we get into this straight away? Can you describe a little bit of the situation facing you when you took over at the YHA? Oh, thank you, Joe. I'm not sure how smart I am, but I am intuitive. So YHA stands for the Youth Hostels Association. 
and it's been providing affordable accommodation, that's accommodation in hostels since the 1930s. And it's part of an international network of hosteling organisations also set up at that time. And of course, in the 1930s, the only way to travel for young people was in hostels. Um, but when I joined YHA, it had totally lost its sense of direction. It had a very poor quality product. Uh, the number of people coming to it was in decline. Uh, I described it as fading away. Um, it was losing cash, but what it had was a strong asset base. And while their strategy of selling hostels was propping up the P&L, so it did have something we could build on, but everything else was in on, on a downward trend. Right. So can we start using this framework then to explore <clears throat> the various choices you, you were faced with and that you made? Um, perhaps if we could ta start in terms of who. Who was the target customer and did you have to make choices between different options? We had a lot of choices. YHA didn't have a target customer. It was trying to appeal to everyone. Wow. And in appealing to everyone, it appealed to no one. Yeah. And was not attracting new people. What it did have, its main customer groups were older people who'd been going to YHA all their lives. They loved it. And they didn't want it to change at all. They still had a lot of residential school trips. So young people coming in school groups. <coughs> Excuse me. But that was um, teacher-led. And that was declining because teachers wanted more framework. They didn't want to lead, lead the school trip. And then also in cities, we had young travellers from the UK and abroad who would stay in our city hostels. The city hostels were probably the most successful. So we knew we had to attract new customers, but we also wanted to keep our loyal ones because we couldn't afford to lose everybody at the same time. So we undertook a, a major piece of customer research, both people who use YHA and people who didn't use it. So in a nutshell, we were perceived as old fashioned and not for people who didn't know us. But those that knew us loved us. And the other interesting nugget was that all the research told us that people who used YHA had started using it <clears throat> when they were at school. So they'd gone on a school trip and they continued into later life. So we came to the conclusion that the target customer had to be young people. We were called the Youth Hostel Association. Youth is the first word. So we're about young people. And we defined young people as under 25. That's a sort of international hosteling standard. But we segmented that further because young people is pretty all-embracing. So we said that this would be segmented into young people on residential trips, schools, summer camps, whatever. Young people traveling with families. We wanted to attract families to YHA and young people traveling independently. So those were our three segments, if you like, of the who that we wanted to target. Right. Well, it sounds like there were a lot of questions <clears throat> about the who and therefore asking who could we serve and how do we think about them uh, and eventually which do we serve must have been a really big part of the conversation. And it sounds like it led to a lot of ideas about how to segment on the basis of age, but also what their needs were, whether they were with families, as you said, or independent. Um, now, could I look at another aspect of who, which is 
we talk about geographies, you know, you can think about markets as being geogra geographically split. Did you, did you have to make choices about geographies and locations? Uh, yes, we did. So we started from the principle that we wanted to maintain the geographical spread through England and Wales. So YHA operates in England and Wales. But we also wanted to be able to offer different experiences. So small and large hostels were very important to us. And we, we also knew we needed to make decisions about location and which hostels to keep in the network and which to sell because we needed to release capital in order to invest. Obviously, the final decision for that was a bit more complex, but ge the geographical location was the first thing we did. And we graded all of the hostels A, B, C. A being absolutely bang on in the right location and C being in uh, not the right one. And this was uh, based on both occupancy levels of the hostel, the level of online searches for people for that area, and also whether it was a push destination or a pull. Pull being a honeypot, push being one where we had to dis describe a reason to visit. Mm -hmm. So city hostels like Cardiff or Bristol would be A destinations, as would national park hostels in the national park or on the coast like Swanage. But this left us with a whole group of hostels in less ideal destinations that we knew we could sell to invest. Mm, interesting. Um, so we also talked on, on the previous podcast uh, about segmentation of getting the right level of segmentation. And I wondered if you had, in this case, had to evaluate each hostel location individually, or were you guided by some thoughts about higher levels of aggregating your segments, for example, cities versus rural or large cities versus smaller towns? Um, we did have uh, some sort of higher level segmentation around cities versus rural. But at the end of the day, we really had to grade each hostel individually because segmentation isn't totally binary. For example, we had a hostel in Cardiff, which would be an A destination, but the hostel itself was poor condition. It was terribly small. It was in the wrong part of the city. So actually the hostel was, was graded a B or a C, mm. rather, although it was in an A destination. On the other hand, we had a large hostel in the Lake District, beautiful Derwent Water, A location, but given the value of the property, which was eye-watering, and also the investment we needed, we decided that would actually be a C hostel because we had another one nearby, so which was actually going to offer a better return on our investment than Derwent Water would have done. So you, you can use segmentation in its... Uh, in a sort of higher level, but you ne we needed to drill down to each hostel individually at the end of the day. Right. Okay, that's interesting. So one way of thinking about that from my perspective, just thinking about how to conceptualise that, if you like, is you, you know, broad region was important, like whether it was in a great location like the Lake District or in a city, but it was also actually about the specific size and value of the property and actually how much it would cost to reinvest in it. So that yes. in the end, you ended up with these individual decisions, although perhaps a sort of somewhat standard model that could be applied across them. But yeah, a lot of diversity. OK, um, thank you for that. Um, now, who is quite a rich way of segmenting because it's also about the channel you use. Um, 
did you think about different channels for selling YHA bookings? For example, whether you would do all the bookings centrally um, or via the youth hostels themselves or possibly through third parties? Yes, the route to market is quite critical. And when I joined YHA, the bookings were done directly at hostel level. Most of them actually went through the hostel, either through our contact centre or website. And we used one third party booking engine, which was run by Hosteling International. We realised that we needed to move to third party channels and, and also have a link to that a much more sophisticated revenue management system as well so we could flex the pricing. And we wanted everything to move centrally, all the bookings, all the revenue management, so the hostel teams could focus on their guests. But of course, it's never a smooth journey and the first stage was to upgrade the rather tedious IT system which just wasn't going to support what we needed so once that was completed we could move to central bookings and use third-party channels like Expedia or booking.com of course the trick then is because you're paying large fees is to try and woo those booking through third parties to book direct in the future is not to continue to use them and but i would say when we started using booking.com and expedia the best it was the most fantastic result in terms of we had a huge increase in new customers particularly families mm. which we were not attracting directly and young single travelers so it, it really was for us a phenomenal route to market wow okay well that that does as you said say about the route to market is really important um, set of choices to be made. I, and I also like the point about the need to upgrade the IT system. And perhaps there's a general point there for any strategist that any strategy is only going to be as good as the effectiveness of its implementation. And IT can often be a critical part of that. I mean, often a critical blocker, but in this case, it sounds like you were able to, to upgrade the IT to what you needed. Fantastic. So uh, why don't we move now to the, the what question, which is the product or the service. Um, uh, did you think about that and the choices you faced and choices that had to be made? Yes, we thought a, a lot about the service as, as, uh, as customers weren't necessarily at the forefront of YHA's thinking. And each hostel manager really did their own thing. And when you repeat that 150 times you don't have a very consistent offering for the guests that are arriving so again we did use segmentation and our principle was guided by our, one of our key strategic themes which was putting the customer first so i know this sounds very basic but every hostel was going to be clean so we had to introduce right. clean schedules and routines mm -hmm. Uh, we introduced beds being made because originally customers would come and make their own beds. Yeah. You may remember that, Joe. I certainly um, do. Uh, so every hostel would have the beds made. And we use mystery shoppers and guest feedback ruthlessly. I mean, the KPI of guest feedback was our key one that we used. Mm. And we then segmented the hostels into the services that they would provide, apart from obviously a bed, and we always had a self-catering kitchen for people. So some hostels were fully self-catering. That was all they offered. They just, you catered for yourself. Some offered 
bed and breakfast, bed and an evening meal. Mm -hmm. Some offer breakfast, cafe offering and an evening meal. So you had the whole shooting match, food all day. And some like city hostels, you do a breakfast and then you just have a cafe offering all day. So right. uh, th this was a sort of another layer over that, some of that other segmentation I've talked about before. Yeah, this really makes um, a slight sideline here. Is I, I remember, because I'm a life member of the Youth Hostel Association, <laughs> I signed up my kids to be. Um, and we, when we, we arrived back in the UK in 2000, and we must have started hosteling then just before you arrived. And I do remember, because I was a passionate about it and thought it was great. Um, and my wife saying, ah, oh, the door handles are so sticky. Oh! <laughs> And and uh, but then you got there, and then I remember going back. We must have been going over the period when you came in, and going back to the same hostels and saying, "Wow, that's so much nicer now." Um, and I guess what you're saying is, a the standards were a bit low, but perhaps more importantly, they were all over the shop, and you really made some choices and defined things, but in a sophisticated way. It sounds like there were different offerings depending on 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 the situation. So. Um, yeah, I was a beneficiary of that. Well, probably more importantly, my wife and family were. So they they had a good experience as a result. So thank you. You really to looked at the target customer, didn't you? And and thought about what services they would want, and thought of it from their perspective. And I guess that makes quite a lot of sense for any business where customers have a lot of choice. Um, that your what shouldn't be done in isolation of the who um, and you started perhaps with the who and then worked that through so that again might be a little a little tip for people anyway let's move to the how and um, that's the third way of segmenting the business um, how you deliver the, the service you're offering and I find the best way to think about this is to think about which segments of the value chain there are in your business and there are a set of choices about whether you want to be in those or not so for example I know you have some hostels where you are just a booking agent you don't own the hostel. And I've stayed in some of them and they're really nice. They do look like youth hostels, but they're perhaps owned by the local farmer who sort of uses it as their kind of pension in a way. Um, and that suggests a strategy option, which is to build out the business as a booking agent for a certain type of accommodation. So that would be a, a quite a big choice to make. And thinking through the value chain from developing the concept of a youth hostel, building it, operating it, marketing, sales, booking, catering, activities, club membership etc did you think about how your presence in each stage of the value chain might be different and how it might evolve whether you focus in any particular areas well i think this is a really interesting question and we did some of it um i'd just like to say first of all when you take on running a long-standing business it means you have history you're mm -hmm. not starting with a lovely blank sheet of paper so YHA owned most of its properties or, and it did lease some of them. But they also historically had a franchise operation where independent owners could brand their hostels YHA, they could pay a fee to YHA and they could use our booking engine. Uh, in fact, they were owned by farmers, but they were often hostels that we'd sold at some stage in our history they've been sold to independent operators um, and what was important to them was to keep the YHA brand. Unfortunately, unlike the McDonald's franchise, the offering wasn't terribly uh, consistent again. Um, uh, but the, what we 
we got the most value of these was um, was actually having a stronger geographical footprint rather than the income we got from from the owners. Yeah. In fact, for YHA, when we looked at our value, the biggest value to us was actually owning and operating the hostels directly, with the value being driven through food and overnights and some add-on activities. Right. We could, although we can offer a booking engine to these small franchise operations, we're never going to compete with Booking.com or Expedia, their Panzer operations. We would just never have the the investment to compete with that so there wasn't value there so really uh, and uh, most of our value was actually us owning our hostels and driving it through our own services we were providing and all the franchise network did was actually give us a larger footprint and gave us a bit more scale right and presence really in the market good thanks uh Right. So another thing um, we discussed in the episode on segmentation was how to use it to generate a creative new idea. So it's not just a way of classifying your current business or even, you know, short term choices. It could be a way of brainstorming new growth opportunities. So I suppose um, if you had pursued the idea of becoming a booking agent, um, which you've given good reasons why you didn't for a wider range of accommodation that might qualify as a, as a creative idea a, a new direction to take the business and in your time there i know you had a lot of you know restructuring and fixing things to do but did you consider creative ways to to grow the business outside of its more traditional footprint uh yes we we did uh, i always get nervous when people use the word creative because it always thinks you've got to come up with some amazingly left field idea yeah. which yeah. Uh, it pro- doesn't always mean that in my view so we had we wanted to grow, but we had three sort of areas that we were focused on growth. One was to get new hostels in those key destinations that we targeted, city destinations where people wanted to travel. We had a, a real challenge in that our occupancy levels were great in the summer, but awful in the winter. So it was how do you drive occupancy in the shoulders and the low seasons? Right. And how do you increase occupancy in the high season when actually we didn't have enough beds for all the families who wanted to come and stay with us? So those were our sort of three challenges that we we wanted to um, address. And the first one was having done the segmentation on areas we wanted hostels meant that our property team could be really focused looking at those cities. And we were very lucky because... We benefited, well, not luck, it's benefited from chain hotels with less than 50 rooms and started to become less viable. But for YHA, if you put four beds in a room, you have a 200-bed model. So that hotel is, is hugely viable. And that meant we were able to take on distressed hotels. The first ones were in Brighton and in Cardiff. And we took those on with an investor so we could pay rent. So you, you get enough return that you can pay rent and still make a good profit. We grew guest numbers in the low season. We used exclusive hire of our hostels, so you could rent a whole hostel. We used aggressive revenue management, secret deals, and we also invested in an education team so that school residentials are often in the shoulder season and we could provide curriculum-based activities for the children so they didn't need to be teacher-led all the time. But probably the most successful thing we did was to use our land. 
So we had buildings, but we also had a lot of land, particularly in the rural network. And so we used alternative accommodation. That would be camping, bring your own tents. We erected tents such as teepees, bell tents. We had shepherd's huts, lots of alternative accommodation. And these give a really quick return on investment, even with additional infrastructure such as toilets and showers, and allowed us to absorb more people during those key months, particularly across the summer. Mm. So we were able to grow, even though we were selling hostels to invest, but we were also able to grow our network through those key strategies. Right. Okay. Well, that's that's interesting because... Um just reflecting back on how that might link to segmentation i guess that thinking about the cities uh, might come from segmenting around geography so that's fairly clear but it's interesting the ideas around how to fill the shoulder months and how to get more capacity in the peak months in a way that's segmenting by time of year having a strategy for peak holiday seasons as well as shoulder months and maybe winter and we we didn't talk about that i hadn't thought about that but that makes a lot of sense and actually i remember hiring a hostel out in winter um, which I guess was part of that strategy. Um, that was for a family event. So yeah, that's another way to segment time of year. Um, uh, so I guess the more one talks about it, about the reality of what you did, the more one sort of thinks of new ways to segment, which tees up new choices and new areas to to perhaps develop the business. So I'm certainly hoping I'll be able to camp beside some hostels sometime this year as we're in the middle of lockdown and not sure how easy it will be to stay in them. Um, uh, hopefully we'll get back as soon as we can. Anyway, I I feel that this discussion, and I, I kind of knew in advance a bit about, uh, you know, we've had discussions about segmentation. This is a really good example, I think, that segmentation does provide a way to tee up a full range of choices, really so many choices you faced, so many decisions you made. Um, and it helps a business do that, uh, particularly one where you've got a lot of who, what, and how. You've got, you're very customer focused. You've got a lot of flexibility on the on the, on on the product as well um, but obviously you will have relied on other approaches including your own experience and that of uh, your team and your intuition which you've already mentioned so what we've discussed really is how a less experienced strategist or what, what we discussed in our episode with the who what how is how they might try and emulate that you know a tool or it could be a tool that could be used to run a strategy workshop so could I just ask you what your views are in general on the value of strategy tools? And do you rely on intuition mostly? Do you use tools for yourself or do you think they're valuable in particular roles? Um, I think what I'd say is, I, you know, I'm definitely an intuitive strategist, mm -hmm. but I do think um, structure and models help you narrow down your options in a logical way. And I think also if you're doing a strategy, I'm, probably never on my own in a room I'm always doing it with with teams and with mm -hmm. other team and and everybody has different ways of working so it's so tools help you gather your ideas into right. into a much lo more logical framework uh, you know whether that's there's, there's so many different ones out there um, I've learned loads in my career some I find useful some I I have a segmentation model which is slightly different from yours Mm -hmm. um, but it, it works in, in a similar sort of way. And I think it helps you look at your business from different angles. Great. Okay. Um, any, any other tips for listeners starting out um, on developing their strategy skills? Uh, what I would say is that uh, 
it's taken me nearly a lifetime to hone my skills. So never ex expect it to be perfect from day one. Um, I'm, I'm a believer in having a very clear mission for an organization. That's mm -hmm. why you exist. That sets the framework for the strategy. Mm -hmm. And I like to have a vision with a goal. So at YHA, our vision was to reach out and enhance the lives of young people. And we had a goal to reach a million young people. So trying to do a strategy in the absence of a mission and vision is, in my view, virtually impossible. But sometimes you need to sort of do some of the strategic analysis to come up with your vision and mission. You can't just, right. you can't just sit in a room and come up with it. You need to do the analysis. So it's, it's sort of a bit of top down and a bit of bottom up, if you understand. Right. What I would say is, I think without a good plan, a strategy will never, ever be executed. So you can have the best strategy in the world, but it will just be a dusty tome on the shelf unless you have a really good plan to execute it. And I've seen lots of organizations have a brilliant strategy, but no plan to execute it. And yeah. then it fails. So that would be what I think is most important is not, is not the strategy itself is the execution. Yeah. And we'll, we'll have to spend some time on that as we, as we get to the end of our podcast series. Although I think it's, worthy of a series in itself strategy execution but thanks so much caroline we actually do have an episode on mission and purpose coming up later in this podcast series and i actually use the yha as an example looking back as it, its historic mission statement and how that evolved which i i think it's a fantastic and inspiring one but that that's really for another time it's been so good to have you and uh, thank you so much for all, all the wisdom you've communicated and I hope that's been a useful example for people of also the practical use of segmentation and how it guides choices and decision-making. Thank you very much. Lovely to speak to you. So here's an optional section for those of you who are interested in how might you use in practice this segmentation tool? And I'll use the example of the Youth Hostel Association, but imagine that I had been asked to come in and run a segmentation exercise as part of them beginning to think through what their plan should be, which obviously Caroline did intuitively um, and over a period of time, I suspect. Um, so what I might first do is say, right, let's please brainstorm all the ways you can segment this business. So let's start with the who and the type of customer, um, and uh, geography and then that would lead to different types of customer like young people and so perhaps age would be an important dimension so customer type by age and then we could talk about different age brackets and then we could say but that's not the only way to think about customer it could be the kind of party they're traveling with are they traveling individually or in a family group or in a school group and so we would come up um, over the course of our discussion with ways to segment using the who what how as a trigger for really brainstorming lots of ways to segment and then what I might do is say okay so where are we today and then we could actually go through a whole set of analysis of how well are we doing. So how well are we doing with, for example, young people traveling in families? Well, not many families are coming with young people because youth hostels aren't really set up for them. And we, we seem to have a more loyal core around older people, perhaps traveling as couples or individually. And we could discuss, therefore, you know, what the prospects are for growth and profitability. Perhaps that's a fairly profitable segment, the older segment, but it's not growing and it's also not aligned with our mission. 
Um, and that would tee up choices. So our initial segmentation would help us analyze our current position. We would then do some other work actually to think about how attractive that is in terms of size, growth, profitability, competitive advantage versus other hotels and so on. And then that would tee up a set of options for us. We could focus on the youth market with more of an emphasis on the cities. And that's, of course, what they did. Um, and then we could have a brainstorm, perhaps, after that had been going on for a year and come back to our segmentation. Think, well, let's think of some more creative options. And perhaps at that time we might take on some of the how questions. You know, we're very strong in booking. Could that be a business for us where actually Caroline said, no, not really. If we want to book other people's hostels, it's more to fill holes in our network rather than being a business in itself. But we could have had that discussion. Uh, so I hope that just translate that a little bit into, you know, how can you use this as a tool? Because obviously it's very inspiring to hear stories. But had you used those stories, that's kind of optional because perhaps that's not what you're looking for in this podcast. Or you could come back to it later when you think, mm, yes, I need to do that. Hope that's been helpful and see you next time. Mm-hmm.